Well, good morning. morning. Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We've got a lot to do. Thank you for last night. Wow, did you bless Carol and I and Todd. Thank you so much. That was really special. I, uh, we, we thank God for you every day. We do, virtually every day. We thank God, and then we pray for you. And uh, you really blessed us last night. Uh, we, you always bless us with your encouragement, uh, taking this material and doing what you do with it. And you bless us, you edify us with your kind words and uh, your, your prayers, miracles happening. You keep us strong. We're uh, so grateful. And for your sacrificial giving, thank you, thank you. We are very blessed. Today we're going to cover um, Discipler CEO. So we have Maximum CEO, we have Ultimate CEO. Hopefully you're, you're not here today confused about more important things at a higher level. But uh, I wanted to stretch you, I wanted you to, to uh, see uh, the opportunity and uh, give you an opportunity to see a, great, a bigger vision and to accelerate your progress in working through the maximum to get you to the point where you're closer to being all you can be for God. We never arrive. Now, today uh, will be the second iteration of Discipler CEO, because last year we did two and a half days of Discipler CEO, and it's all on the product that you have an opportunity to purchase for you and your ministry and a lifetime of learning for an investment for you and an investment in you personally and then an investment in your ministry. So we've already done and already have on uh, online, will be online and on, uh, captured on video, two and a half days of discipler CEO that we did last year. And we talked about the importance of making a huge disciple shift not only in your ministry, but in the body of Christ, because we are remiss in the body of Christ in discipling future generations to continue God's spiritual kingdom business work. So today, though, I'm not going to repeat what we did before. Uh, I am going to say it in introduction a couple of things just to get the pump primed here. And for anybody who wasn't here last year to bring you up to speed very quickly, but I'm not going to repeat anything that's already on the product. Today I'm going to give you four hours of additional things that will be of value to you. <clears throat> and you, you know from the sheet that you had in front of you yesterday, uh, Discipler CEO, the art of empowerment ship, performance ship, and facilitation ship. And we unpacked those big time last year at Global 11 for two and a half days. Uh, so we're going to pick up on uh, new things regarding those three things. But uh, last year we did a lot of role playing at the table. I'll be sitting at the table again and try to uh, help you understand a little bit better how you must facilitate your team or discipleship your team for added value 
to them, for them, to help them reach their destiny, help you accomplish what God gave you to do. So the skill sets, the four pillars are positioning, which we covered day one here, two days ago. Positioning, then process, which we just began here that first day, and I'm going to amplify on these two things because we didn't finish, and a big part of this is what happened. This is a table. Here's the leader, the facilitator, or the disciple, or men. And here are your teams. And they're all pointing in, those arrows should be pointing in. Why? Because they're going to be offering you their wisdom, counsel, and understanding. And you're going to be facilitating. You're going to be making it easy for them to contribute to God's work. Facilitation comes from the stem word facile, to make easy. And that's your job, is to simply make it easy for people to build God's kingdom work. Not for you to do it. Makes it a lot easier on you, too. Make it easy for you. Get your freedom. Get yourself properly positioned. So positioning, process, the Proverbs process, the empowerment process, the total involvement process. Then planning. We're not touching much on planning at all this time. Maybe that will be Global 13. <clears throat> and in fact, Global 13, very probably, I have to seek counsel from my advisors, and we certainly need to seek counsel from uh, the host that might host it. But we're looking at possibly doing it in Florida, maybe 45 minutes from Orlando. And that would be a change for a lot of us. Uh, and it would give us a new venue, and that would keep us from continually abusing this ministry. <laughs> so we're we're gonna we're gonna give them a break, and uh, go go to another location. And uh, those that travel from uh, internationally, from Europe and Africa and so forth, that that will be a nice change too, for them. So uh, stay tuned. It will most likely be at the same time, right, at this point, same point in time. It's been this way for the last four years. Uh, but uh, most likely a different venue. And I shared that with a couple of people last night, and they were excited about that. And that will be a nice change of pace. But this has been one incredible hosting venue. Would you not agree? And Thank you for all the staff, for you precious people. Thank you so much, and thank you again for everything you do for Carol and I. And then, pro and then uh, planning, and then, and then uh, performance. The skill sets, the art forms of being a CEO. And one of the big art forms is facilitationship or discipleship. And so that's a lot of what we're going to touch on today. There's the art of direction setting, the art of delegating, the art of evaluation. The, there, this, this requires skill sets. This is not rocket science any more than the training manual is rocket science. God didn't write this to confuse the daylights out of us. Although it seems like that, I know as pastors you, get, it's a hard, you get a hard, have a hard time getting people to do it. I have a hard time getting people to do it too. You're here, 
And that all that was said last night about Carol and I and what we do, we, like I said, we're just the messengers. You had to do it. You do, they, they did it. There's a lot of people that have been here and come and gone and didn't do it because of all the reasons I mentioned uh, the, uh, yesterday, beginning of the day. They didn't really embrace it. They didn't fight for it. They compromised. They caved in. They were weak. And the first objection drove them back into their hole. And consequently, nothing got changed. But you all did it. So we're going to talk about being in this chair and being the facilitator, the delegator, the evaluator, and that requires skill. So, and now we modeled a lot of those skills. I sat there for quite a, a couple of sessions and actually role-played to model how it's done. It's in the product. How much of that I'll do today, I don't know, but I'll sit there for a while and I'll try to help you understand. So you can kind of watch and learn and then you can begin to practice and master the art of discipling and gain the required skills to model. See, it's all about how you apply. Yeah, where is it? Here it is, right in front of you. Thanks, Pastor Morgan. <laughs> I love you. No, yeah, it's not what we know, it's what you end up applying in that seat. It's no good if you just know this stuff. But how you apply it and how you teach it, and these two just go together, almost inseparable. So that's what I want to make sure that you gain capability in and that you can go forth and model it. Because what you model will be what, they gonna, what they're going to do when they're working with their team here. And then what these people model, based on what you've done for them, what you over there put in your Timothys is going to determine what the C team does over there. It all starts right here with you. Nothing more important. You're the key. You're the critical catalyst for change. And it's all dependent on how well you model it, not lecture. Not lecture. Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to be discipling. No, you model, exactly. And then you turn to them. You say, what did you see me just do when I gave direction? What, what, what did I do? There's 10 steps to direction setting. They're all in the product. I don't have time to go over those. Maybe I can tick off a few, but then what did you see me do? What, did, what just happened there? How did, how did I... Can you replicate that? Can you do that with your team? I expect that you will. Now, maybe not immediately here. I'm going to continue to model it, and over a period of months, they'll get it. You keep modeling it, but you, you have to ask questions. You're going to learn how critical questions are today. So you're going to ask them, did you understand? Do you see? That's what I expect you to do. When I just brought correction to Joe because he, his assignment wasn't on time. And I asked him, when can you have that done, Joe? And he said, I'll have it here two weeks from now. 
And he didn't have it here now. I have to bring correction. And how you bring correction, discipline, which is the stem word for discipleship, discipline. You have to learn how to discipline. And that's why that word puissance is so important because if you're not strong, if you're timid, like we found out last year, what's the number one thing that Pastor Eppert asked me? He said, what's the number one thing that you found in 15 years that is our greatest vulnerability? Among us pastors, I said, that's easy, timidity. You're timid. You don't hold people accountable. You don't give them direction because you feel guilty. What if they say, why don't you do it yourself? What if they say, you know, you're getting the big bucks. I'm a volunteer. You ought to be happy I just show up. What if they say that? Oh, my goodness. Okay, and then how, how do you review plans, ideas? How do you do that? What's the skill sets we need to do that? How do you prove work? How do you do that? What questions do you ask? How do you coach, teach, train, and mentor? Where do you do it? Like Pastor Corona asked last night. You know, where, how do I get to the 50? We'll start with 30. But where do you do it? Here, at the table. Almost all of it, right there at the table. And that's what we're going to model. We modeled it. It's already two and a half days on the product. But obtain, how do you obtain evaluation? That's, you have to model that so that they replicate it. You, you replicate yourself into them by modeling it. They watch what you do because your actions speak louder than your words. Okay, let me uh, just prime the pump very quickly here. I won't go through all that we did last time. And boy, we had, we had a lot of uh, graphics up and and we scrolled through all the facets of discipleship and talked about them last time. But I, I did mention, just to get this jump started here, and I'll mention it again, futurists have been telling us, those that study the future, those that forecast the trends and project what will happen in the years to come, uh, if I were to ask you, what's the, what's the most significant thing that's going to impact the future? Most of us at this point in time, because we've seen what's, what changes have occurred in just one decade, we would say technology is, going to, is the biggest thing. And you're right about that, but I submit to you and others would submit to you that it is not the most significant thing that will impact the future. What will be is the lack of leadership, the dearth of leadership, no leadership. Look, you go anywhere out there in the world, <laughs> in a retail store, the, the employees treat you like you're in the way. Yes. You know, who are you? Yes. You know, we're busy here stocking the shelves. You know, get out of the way. Or go to a McDonald's. And you, you, can't, you can't get the order right. But the, because there's no training, there's no leadership, there's no discipleship or training and development. Futurists have been telling us for decades the greatest threat to organizations, and I submit to you a bigger threat in ministries, because we don't disciple like they disciple out there. That's how they become successful, training and development. Training and development. Uh, I, I mentioned USA Today, guy paid $27,500. Uh, not a one guy, a whole a whole article about the people that paid $27,500 for CEO training like this for five days. And Ann McCulley, McCulley, where are you, brother? Thank you. 
you have to keep coming with me if I'm going to use that example, because he worked for Xerox, or did, right? Mulcahy, Ann Mulcahy, the CEO of Xerox, turned that company around, was discipled from within, trained and developed within Xerox. They were looking for a new CEO, and they called upon someone internally, somebody that they had developed. That's a good idea. You know, we want to just train and develop the ones God entrusted to us. But sometimes that's not, not at all possible because of what you heard from a few of the pastors yesterday, that some people just don't want to change, don't want to grow, don't want to learn, don't want to accept responsibility, don't want to be disciplined. So consequently, we, sometimes we have to have people come in from the outside. The objective is to keep the same team, but only if they're willing to be those things I just said, accountable, disciplined, taught, discipled, teachable spirit, humble, willing to be held accountable and to grow and to learn. Amen. We need to have a culture, a learning culture. And when you give people something to do, it becomes a learning laboratory. They learn. And the highest, the, the, the most valuable thing you can do for somebody is to give them an opportunity to use their wisdom, counsel, understanding, and knowledge. But there's an art to doing that well. So they've been telling us for decades that the greatest threat to organizations, including ministries, big-time ministries, produ being productive, efficient, executing well, achieving success, getting to the Vs, is what, in what we're attempting to do, the biggest will be the dearth of leadership, the dearth, the absence of leadership. And I submit to you, and I believe that the church has not really understood and implemented what Jesus modeled. And I covered that day one. I talked to you about seven things he did that allowed him to create a succession plan in just three years that's continuing now well over 2,000 years later. Not as strong as it should be. Why? Because we're not as close to what Jesus was in terms of being a discipler. He was the master discipler. He was the master communicator. And so I'm hoping that I'll prime the pump here today, and then as you study and preach the word, that you'll see what kind of a discipler Jesus was and emulate it. And let's all of us try to become more like he was in terms of disciple. He was the extreme discipler. I don't know if it was up there this morning, uh, probably, as you were coming in, but uh, two, uh, last year uh, we had uh, uh, an, a big XD up there. XD for extreme discipler. Uh, you know, we got, we, you've got uh, extreme sports now, and there's, we had an XD up there, like the extreme sports people that leap off cliffs with their skis on and kill themselves you know that's but they they we we explored that a little bit last year Jesus was the extreme discipler he was an amazing discipler I mean he was relentless in his discipleship because he had three years he was leaving we're not going to be here forever either what are you going to leave behind so the church I, I believe has really not understood and implemented what Jesus modeled Spiritually, yes. Like I said the other day, your light's out spiritually because you've been well spiritually trained. Like Pastor Rogers just said, and his father, his mentor, 
trained him. But what about the spiritual system, the spiritual part of building God's kingdom business? There we are deficient, and we're not training future generations of leaders. If we were, why do I have so many people like once again last night, what could I have done if I had this 20, 30 years ago? We don't have mentors in the body of Christ teaching us these things. So if there's a dearth of discipleship, there's a dearth of leadership, then there's a dearth of discipleship and the greatest problem. So we have a lack of discipleship. Then we have a lack of really understanding its importance, which I'm here to imply today and was here last year for two and a half days to impart and imply. The lack of understanding of what it is, the lack of understanding how to do it, the lack of realizing how key it is to the accomplishment of your dreams and your vision and your freedom and the vision and the mission and the assignment God's given you, your destiny and the destiny of those that have been entrusted to you. It's a huge gap. It's a huge gap. If we're trying to go from here to there in the shortest amount of time on the most efficient route and to accelerate and expedite our, our achieving the V wherever, you, as far as you can see it, and we don't disciple, that we've got a gap, a gap. I don't know how big your gap is, but I'm here to help you close it. It's a huge gap. It's a great debilitator, and it's, in my opinion, the highest vulnerability that you face until we fix it. It's a top reason why pastors fail, why they burn out, why they quit, why ministries fail or become sluggish or plateau is we run out of leaders because we've not had sufficient discipleship. Or why teams fail, why people sitting around the table can't reach their destiny, can't become more valuable for God so that God can take the guy in this chair or the gal in that chair and send them to one of the flags and do a great work over there or send them up in your organization. They come out of the pipeline, they get plugged in here on a team, and this team leader is discipling this team, not, not the pastor, not you. You just disciple your team, your Timothys. But you do it so well, you model it so well that they disciple faithful men without you because you've done it so well. And then down line. So that's why we're not building strength in the body of Christ. This is huge. I wish I could spend a week here on this. And we, we could easily. 
So we have to make discipleship a strategic responsibility. We must be strategically intent. And when you're the ultimate CEO and sitting back in that second chair like we talked about yesterday, your job is to make sure that this culture, our, our organization, we have a discipleship culture and it's happening. That will be, that will be a big part to the overseer to ensure that that's happening. Yeah, Jesus was the extreme discipler, the XD. He discipled in three years. He, his discipleship in three years left a, a bequeath to us, a lasting legacy. What are you going to be bequeathing to others for, the, for, for a lifetime of work? And we, I talked last night, and uh, my advisors are going to be helping me even more than they have to make sure that the Ministry Institute bequeaths something and something for the value of what God put in me and the mandate he's given me, it has to sustain itself and it has to grow and it will. He was, why was he extreme discipler? Because he was intense about it. He was relentless. He was intentional. And he, he, was, he, he did it all the time. They were, as I modeled the other day, they walked the hillsides, they walked the seashore, but they sat down regularly and he imparted into them. That's what you do here. Yeah, you conduct God's business there. You accomplish God's mandates here. We've got an agenda. We work in priorities. Everybody in, I didn't say this, I don't think yet, but everybody in the ministry has priorities. All the way down to here, these teams down here, they know exactly what their top five priorities are. That's how we hold each other, ourselves and each other accountable. So we're working on priorities here. We're going to get things done for God. But we're in the process of getting things done for God, we're going to transform people for greater value and contributions for God and help them reach their destiny. See, discipleship doesn't end with membership class. You know, let's get them that far and then good luck. You know, you're on your own. And that's pretty much what happens. Can I get an amen? Yeah, let's, take, get, them, let's get them qualified to help us somehow and then that's it. And no, it's a, it's a continual process. And so what happens after that? Well, they get plugged in on a team and they're working on real issues, real challenges, real gaps. They're learning how to think, how to discipline themselves, how to build, how to work in a team, how to interact and how to come up with, a, and they're learning from one another, one another as a model. Maybe, is it warmer in here than usual? Is, that a re is there a reason for that? You, you're trying to raise the utility bill or what? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Timothy. The Timothy process, what I just talked about right here. Now pass on. This must be the message or the living Bible, probably the message. 
Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there, and you'll be a good servant of Jesus, a disciplined life in God, discipleship, a, different, a disciplined life in God, discipline. Teach all these things. Teach believers with your life. Be an example. Apply what the training manual says and model that for others. Teach all these things. Teach believers with your life by word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post giving counsel and teaching. And everyone said... In Global 11, we talked about empowerment ship. How to get the ultimate work done through others. That's what empowerment ship is. Getting the work done through others. As a leader, you're the broker of God's work. You delegate, provide direction, dispense, disseminate, disperse, get rid of the work. Get it off of you and onto other people. That's empowerment. Learn a learning laboratory is established. So when you give them and when you empower them, their learning curve torques because they are now gaining experience. When, I, when they trained me to be a naval officer, we went through all the courses and, and uh, all the uh, 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 exercises and all the case studies and all the exams and all the stuff. And then we went on the simulators and we learned how to navigate a ship and how to steer the ship and how to land the helicopter, you know, all that stuff, everything. But until I got out to sea and we were down there in the Cuban Missile Crisis, did it really hit me what we were doing here? And then, I, what did that guy say? Oh my gosh, we're a darkened ship, Russian subs all over the place, Cuban PT boats. We're going to land and knock the, get rid of those missiles. What, what did the guy say again? How did it work on the simulator? Yeah, it's not about lectures. It's about real-time learning. How the ministry, and then we, empowerment is where they learn how ministry becomes fun. Yeah, well, they love, because, why do they love it? Because they're involved, they're motivated, they're committed. You've, you've involved them, you've included them, empowerment. Then we talked last time about performance ship, more in depth, but we analyzed the litmus test of a CEO, which is performance. The litmus test of a leader of, of a CEO is performance both the performance of the whole ministry and the performance of each individual that's been entrusted to you. Where's the R and the, here. The performance, the results, that's the litmus test of a leader. The other litmus, part of the litmus test is the performance of people that are entrusted to you. You're, you're responsible for their performance to guide them, to disciple them, to lead them. <clears throat> talent, we had to have a talent mindset. You've read all the books about, you know, get the right people on the bus and talent, you know, we need talent and they're the, your most precious resource. Well, now we got all that theory, now we got to do it. And you do it by discipleship. You know, you get the right people on the bus. 
trying to remember what that was. Somebody said, yeah, the, then the, you got the, uh, I don't remember it. Come back next year. <clears throat> Love you, Laura. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with another joke. I like to hear that. Strategic, the strategic process of continual improvement. That's what we're working on. Okay, and then facilitation ship. The art of that. Replication, duplication. Reaping replication. The great crossover. I'm going to talk to you about that. The art, the art forms of doing the CEO job description. Talent drives performance. That's why the B over there is just as important as the R, because if you don't have performance, you won't get, if you don't have talent, you won't get the performance. I don't want to, I'm jumping over all the things we did previously. But in order to sit in that chair, you, do, you need to be puissant. You need to be strong, powerful, potent, in control. In a You're not controlling people, but in control of the situation. And effective and, or efficacious. And commanding a presence, not timidity. We're going to talk about the great crossover. I'm going to talk about it in a different way. In fact, let me do that right now. This, this is, this is the, one of the problems with the deficiency of discipleship. Look, I'm still the guy that loved you last night, okay? I'm just being straight, okay? And that's what I want you to catch a bit of. You got to be honest and straight with people. Stop mincing words and beating around the bush and hoping they figure it out with some innuendos. Just flat out tell the truth. And when you build a partnership and a relationship with them, they'll trust you. They'll know you. Do you know that I care about you and love you? Yes. Yeah. So when I'm straight, you receive it. And you, want, you receive it in that manner, that I care about you and I love you. And I do. But crossovers. Last time I talked about, I modeled how you cross over. So you, there are so many situations in ministry, and because of the lack of discipleship, people stay on this side of the Jordan. Here's the Jordan, and here's where we are, the land of comfort, the land of everything, just leave everything, leave me alone, you know? And I, I, the only thing I can do, I can do all things through Christ just over this, on this side of the Jordan. That's scary over there. Why? Because nobody taught me how to do that over there. Nobody ever showed me. So we've got to help people cross over. I modeled that last time. I'm not going to do it again. It's on the product. And we spent quite a bit of time there. But what are these crossover opportunities? And what's the main reason people don't cross over? What's the main reason that they don't want to help you lead and get involved? Their fear. They don't understand what it is, what it consists of. How simple it can be when they get on a team. We have small groups, right? We work overtime to get small groups to come together on a specific subject or some specific thing. Or, you know, they just go bowling together or knit together or whatever it is. You work on small groups, right? This is a small group building God's kingdom work. It's a small group. How about let's get some small groups working for God? 
It's the same principle. It works the same way. Why do you have small groups? Because it's relational. And, peop and then people are attracted to it. They, it's the same thing. Just let's get them working for God. I'm not saying you, don't have, you, have, you can have all those other groups too, but let's get some of these. Let's get five of them here. Let's get 25 of them here. Let's get 125 small groups working for God. But the crossover. So your job as a disciple or men is to help them cross over. What are the key crossover opportunities and where are they stuck because of fear? Here, these things. They're a visitor. They're a first-time guest, whatever you call them. They... They darken the door for the first time. One crossover is to get them to stay, to come back, or come back again. Well, how, what, they're scared. That's a, that's a crossover. Then if they come back again, they become part of the congregation, then to get them to, well, get them to come back a third time and, and become part of the congregation, then another crossover is to get them to get into membership class. That's a crossover. I don't, oh, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> then they're going to try to own me, you know. I know, and who knows what they're going to tell me in there. And so I'm not going there. And that's the only way you can qualify people to help you build God's kingdom work, and we can't even get them in there. I don't, I'm not going to have time to do this here, probably. But, you know, you get 100 people dark in your door. How many of That's another factor. That's how you get to this point, this number. But 100 here and 30 make it to the, the membership class. We can get on, less than a third of the people to get a, some basic training on how they could be, become more valuable to God and how God could be more valuable in their life. Then another crossover is member to volunteer. Another crossover. These are all crossover opportunities. We need a plan for every single one of these crossovers. And we need to be discipling people, not you. Are you going to disciple all these people to do all these things? I, I'm just getting started. No, you have to have teams of people that are going to disciple people to make these crossover opportunities. A member to volunteer. Then a volunteer, whatever you, you want to call them, servants, whatever. Then they, to get them on a team to get them into the pipeline and then get them plugged in on a team. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'll do anything for God but get on a team with other Christians. Oh, you gosh. And then, and then, then we need eventually, because this person, we need to move up here. God sent this person to one of the flags, so then we took this person and moved him up here. And then we needed to take this person and move him up to here. And now we need to take somebody from here and make them a team leader. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll just stay over here in, on the team. No, 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 that, I'm not, no, I, I'm not capable. I can do everything for Christ right here just with this team. Well, I don't want to lead anything. I'm not, I wasn't born a leader like you. And then we need the team leader to become a generalist. What is that? Somebody, as I said yesterday, somebody who can lead more than one thing can lead in, a, in an area outside of their expertise. Well, that's scary. I'm comfortable just here with music, children, youth, whatever. I, that's, leave me right here. Over there, scary. It's all about discipleship, getting people to cross over. 
Then let, quickly, let's finish. Generalists to greater responsibilities, greater responsibilities to become a core leader, continual promotion, and then to take on the most challenging things, you're a core leader, but now we need you working on, you've got to add this to your plate. You've you got five things already, but now you need to add number six, this. We just found out about this problem. That's a fact we didn't know. Now we've got to work on that. Who's going to handle it? You. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, I'll get with my team. We'll get on it. Maximum, maximum, yeah, that, that, that's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I knew I could get it out of you. Maximum, and then how about maximum CEO getting this etched into you so you can become the ultimate CEO? Another crossover. Your crossover. The ultimate crossover. So without, I, I role-played it last time, but let me just give you some of the uh, maybe 10 or 12 of the key ingredients in what I role-played, just so you have an outline. And then get the product and watch the role-playing, and you'll be better at it than I. But first, we encourage people. Anytime we're going to bring about a change, we start with the positive. Anytime you're going to bring, around, uh, bring about correction to somebody, you start with the positive. You build off of what's good. Otherwise, they have no... If I'm going to teach my team on honesty, I have to acknowledge the fact that they're honest and faithful and they have integrity and character. That's why they're on my team. But now I want to talk to you about how we're going to build an honest culture in this ministry. And that's on the product, the maximum CEO. So encourage, start with the positive, build off of that. Ed, yeah, edify, and then begin to enlighten about change, how we have to build upon what they're good at and take it to another level. The benefits of taking it to another level. They need to know that. They need to know why. Why would I change? Why would I want to do that? What's in it for me? Well, because over here is your destiny. And my job as your leader is to disciple you to your destiny. I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you, and I'll partner with you, but to help you reach your destiny. That's my responsibility. And the benefit of that is when you get over here, you will have the maximum joy and protection and provision of God because you've taken another step, another higher dimension in servitude for him. Then you have to convey belief. You believe in them. I believe you can do it. And then you help them reflect on the things that they're forgetting in their fear right now that they did it back here. They made a crossover. And look how effect, that's how you're comfortable here now, but remember you were uncomfortable when you crossed over that back there. Now you're here, you're comfortable. Well, we gotta take another step, but help them reflect. Then you build trust. You tell them, I'm with you. We're in partnership. We're in relationship. We're in this together. And I'll t I won't do your work. I won't do your work, but I'll be your coach. I'll be your teacher. I'll be your disciple or I'll be your advocate I'll partner with you 
I'll do my part. I'll mentor you. I'll, if you will take a risk, I'll be with you over here. I won't do your work for you, but I'll be with you, and, I'll, and I believe I'll prove to you, if you're willing, and, you, and you receive, you're humble, you receive my teaching, you'll be successful, just like you were back here when we worked together. So it's about relationship. You, you explain to them how it can work. Then you, you acknowledge the fact that it's a risk. I understand it's risky. Share with them your risk. I, you know, I've had a change, and I know it's scary. I, these are the things I'm, I'm changing now. These are the things I'm learning. I, ju- I was just at a meeting with the guy with the mustache. You know, he challenged me. And I'm, these are the things I'm changing. I, and be transparent. And then rewards. What are the rewards? The, the fruit, the benefits, the riches, the pleasant and precious riches. And then you tell them, I give you a safe harbor. If, you don't, if, if, if it's too much for you over here, and you really can't handle this right now, then I give you a safe harbor to tell me you can't handle it. And I, I'm not going to override your will. I'm not into abuse. But would you give it a chance? And if you treat people with those kinds of steps, they, they, nine out of ten will go with you because they see your heart. They know you care about them. You love them enough to tell them the truth, and you'll be with them and help them get there. That's discipleship. That's why it's 30, 30%. These guys in the world system know it's 50 Not just doing it, but making sure others are doing it. Overseeing that we have a learning culture in this company or that we have a learning culture in our ministries. We're going to talk about, um, when's the first break, Pastor? Now. Where's the love? (laughs) These are the things we're going to try to cover if you get back from the break quickly. Uh, we've already covered uh, the master discipler. Uh, we're into discipler CEO. Uh, it's not your job, discipleship. These aren't in order. Discipleship basics, discipleship moments. Where, so where do you disciple? What are those moments? What are those meetings? What are the different meetings? Team discipleship, discipling the job description, discipling the process, discipleship assignments, how you can give people assignments to, to torque or accelerate their discipleship, dysfunctional discipleship, gap discipleship, discipler and disciplee at, uh, disciplee attributes, um, how to disciple the curriculum. It's in there, but I want to give you some top notes so you get a jump start on working that process, that product. Um, Disciple the love, I mentioned that, but there's, that's true. Uh, discipling with stories, case studies, uh, post-mortem discipleship, disciple your mistakes, uh, presentation discipleship, I mentioned that a little yesterday, but I'm trying to, I'll give you the outline. Disciple the covenants, crossover, we just did, discipleship, interrogation discipleship, and wake up the team discipleship. Sometimes the team needs to be shook up. Because it gets what I told you yesterday. Everybody settles in, complacent. This is exactly what I do, and we don't have any innovation or thinking.